Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! 5-1 to the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am the Rit. With me, I got my man, DC. And today we are going to be covering the Red Sox Phillies series coming up starting Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. With me, we got a guy that knows the Philadelphia Phillies really well, Anthony Sanfilippo. Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Tell tell everybody uh, a little bit about you, uh, a little bit about your background and everything. Yeah, so I mean, I I grew up in Philly. I've been a journalist down here since uh 1997 uh started off in uh, in radio at that famous wip radio station uh then went to work for the newspapers um covering all the sports but really made my bones believe it or not covering hockey uh for a lot of years i was a flyers beat writer um i've been with uh, been with crossing broad uh .com um very popular sports blog in philly since 2017 and i do flyers and phillies for them um had an opportunity to be a Phillies beat writer back in 2000, going into the 2008 season. And when I was at the newspaper, I turned it down. Uh, something I always wanted to do it was a dream job. And I turned it down because my kids were still young. And as you guys know, being mm. on a baseball beat is really, really intense. Right. So I said, yeah, you know, five years from now, maybe I could say yes, but right now I, I got to say no. Of course, that was the year the Phillies went out and won the World Series. Uh, so I missed my boat, but then was able to kind of jump into it last year, which was a lot of fun and got to go and, you know, be there with them through the World Series. Granted, they didn't win, but uh, it was a heck of a ride. And uh, so looking forward to being back with them again this year. Uh, been, I was down in spring training with them. Uh, I've covered almost every home game so far. I was up at Yankee Stadium. So I'm around the team pretty regularly, and I'll be down there for, for the series this weekend against the Sox. Oh man, uh, it, it's it's funny because you know we're from Pennsylvania, DC, and I are. So uh, man, I can tell you don't have the you don't have the accents. Yeah, oh, <laughs> dead giveaway. So yeah, we're uh, we're in Bloomsburg. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but yeah, of course, you know Bloomsburg well, sure. Yeah. So, I don't know if I should have said that all live on air, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. Small town. Yeah. But uh, okay, uh, you know, Friday night we're, we're going to go over the pitching matchups first. Friday night we're throwing out Chris Sale. You guys are throwing out uh, your ace Zach Wheeler. Uh, Saturday we we got Corey Kluber going on the mound. You guys got uh, Falter, and then Sunday afternoon game we're throwing out Tanner Houck, and you got Walker. So let's let's start off with the starting pitching matchup. <clears throat> uh, it's kind of self-explanatory, but uh, tell everybody what, what they can uh, look for with Zach Wheeler. Well, yeah, I mean he is he is the the top of the rotation for the for the Phillies. Uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. That's not unusual. He's never really been a uh, fast starter. If you go back through his career, last year he had a, uh, an injury issue, so he's even delayed a little bit more. Um, there was a little bit of a concern with him and both him and Aaron Nola, who pitched yes, uh, yesterday in, in Los Angeles. Uh, in the last game of that series, 
Um, there was a little bit of concern with those guys because they're a little bit more deliberate and they like to slow the game down a little bit, um, that they would struggle a little bit with the pitch clock uh, early in the season. And they both did. Um, they both seem to right the ship a little bit uh, in the last couple of starts. Last few starts have been have been better, uh, especially for Wheeler. Um, his last start was against the, the Astros um, and uh, didn't give up a run. Uh, in, in the time that he was in the game. So uh, Zach's pitching, pitching up to, up to his snuff at this point. So uh, it's a tough, it's going to be a tough um, uh, draw for the Red Sox, but I will say this, the Phillies this year have struggled against left-handed pitchers really have surprisingly. So, especially a guy like Trey Turner, who's been consistently hitting lefties in his entire career can't hit them worth a damn so far this year. So um, it actually could be a really good, pitching matchup in the opener of this series. Uh, I know Sale had a decent game his last time out. I think he's given you guys a couple of good starts now. Um, so I really think this could be a uh, this could be an interesting matchup in the opener of the series. Uh, DC, you want to talk about Chris Sale a little bit? Yeah, I mean, with Chris Sale, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. The last, you know, the last two out of three starts have been good. He had one earned run, two starts, or three to go, 11 Ks. Then he had that little blunder, you know, in between. But last game he came out, his, his slider was nasty. Um, he had the command. His velocity was there. But it all comes down to his command. If he can't, you know, put in a strike zone, you know, to lead into those, you know, pitcher counts and his slider isn't working, it kind of scares me. Um, like I, I've been saying all year, I'm going to be optimistic. He hasn't pitched that much in the last three years. Obviously, I'm, I'm a big Chris Sale guy. I I'm going to die on that sword and I don't know if I'm going to regret it, but uh, I mean, it's, it's encouraging the last two out of three starts have been, you know, pretty well. I'm just worried about the command and you know, he needs to get, he needs to get out there, throw strikes early, get ahead in accounts and not allow that, allow that big first inning like he has been doing in some starts throughout the year so far. But um, I'm excited for this matchup. I mean, that Philly's lineup does scare me. Uh, I mean, you guys got Harper back too. That's pretty great to see. I'm glad that he's back. Cause that's, he's a big name in baseball. So you need him out there. Um, as far as Chris Sale, I'm I'm expecting a pretty decent game, but we should see. It depends on the command and how that slider is moving for him. Well, you shouldn't have to worry too much about the first innings. The Phillies really do struggle, believe it or not, in first yeah. innings this year. Yeah, I think they've only got um, – I want to say it was 22 runs going into the last game. So I think it's 23. Now I think they got one in the first inning against the Dodgers on Wednesday. Um, okay. But, yeah, only 23 first inning runs this year. Um, so that's a, that's, that's been a, a bone of contention, um, because obviously first innings are the innings that a lot of teams score, right? Uh, um, yeah. it's been a little bit of a bone of contention with this lineup that they have not produced, uh, in the first inning. So again, I think it's one of those things where you could maybe know after the first inning, the, the way this game's going to go, is it going to be a pitcher's duel or is it going to be a game where, you know, the offenses get after these guys early and then it's going to become a bullpen game. And then, you know, you see what happens at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> then we got Saturday. We got Corey. We're throwing Corey Kluber at you. Uh, his last start was spectacular. Uh, the ones before that are unmentionable. Most of them. <laughs> uh, by that first inning too, man. Yeah. Kluber, just like you were mentioning, Kluber's that guy that will live and die in the first inning. You know, you could kind of see where his pace is, and you find out if he's going to sit there and be leaving by the fourth or if he might make it to the sixth. And uh, you guys throwing out Falter, another left-handed pitcher. Uh, tell us a little bit about him, because he's 0-5 with a 5.01 yeah. Yeah, he is 0-5, and, and it's funny because if you look at his each of his starts individually, I mean, if you look at his whip, it's it's about what – it's not bad. I mean, for a guy who's technically their number five starter, I know he's slotting into the three spot right now because they're waiting for Ranger Suarez to get back into the rotation, uh, which is about a week and a half away. Um, but Falter's their number five guy, and if you look at his numbers for a number five starter, they're not terrible. I mean, he's been giving them innings. He's kept them in games. And, yeah, the ERA is at five because he's given up some home runs. Um, Bailey Falter is a guy who has a lot of people talk about this. He's got this great stride off the, off the pitching rubber where he releases the ball further out in front of, uh, his body than any pitcher in baseball. So he only throws 92, 93, maybe max, but it's coming at you from a lot closer than everyone else. And so it plays up, um, speed wise. And so it's, it's, it's a good fastball. His problem has been is that he 
is not a guy who can pitch around his mistakes. Every pitcher has mistake pitches, right? But mm-hmm. certain pitchers are just talented enough to pitch around their mistakes, and Bailey Falter cannot. And so his mistakes end up hurting him. Um, the Phillies have not hit for him at all this year either. If you look at his starts, they just they just not they don't hit. Um, that said, he's no better than a guy who's going to keep you in the game. You hope to go. He, you hope he can go six. Um, not give up more than three, and you say, okay, that's a good start out of Bailey Falter. Yeah, uh, DC, you, you want to talk a little bit about Kluber? Uh, like I said, he's got that one good start, and which was happens to be his last one. Yeah, I mean, with Kluber, I mean, not to sound like a broken record as far as sale, but his command comes in uh, into question. Uh, he had he had two games where he walked four, another a bunch of them where he had two in there. Um, and like you said, if he starts slow, it kind of it kind of tells you how the game's going to go. And he's only reached the sixth inning one time this season. I know we're only a month into the season, though. Um, it was uh, it was it was good to see how he responded from that three-run shot by uh, Phil Bichette the other night. He uh, went out, pitched uh, pretty strong the rest of the game. But like I said, with him, it comes down to command. Um, just not throwing those meatballs right down the plate, which is kind of killing him. But uh, other than that, he's been pretty solid. But you got to get through the first two innings with him, and then he kind of seems to settle in and kind of you know come into his own. But he does make me nervous. You know, he's the number one guy in the rotation, I guess. You know, if you look at it technically, because he, you know, he started opening day. But we need more. We need more from him for sure. The command just hasn't been there. Um, he just, he just doesn't have it. You know, you watch him play and watch him pitch. I mean, like I said, it was encouraging to see how he responded from that three-one shot, and you know, he kind of pitched a strong game after that and against a strong lineup. So it is encouraging to see. I'm not going to be too down on him, but it's kind of a wait and see approach for him. Yeah, uh, Kluber's not a guy that's going to, you know, throw velocity at you. He He's more of, you know, an east to west pitcher. We're going to paint the corners and stuff. Uh, if he if he can't get get the location to the pitches down, it's going to be a long day for Corey Kluber, especially going against that uh, Phillies lineup that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. Uh, on Sunday, nice afternoon game, we're throwing out Tanner Houck, who – in my opinion, is probably our best pitcher right now uh, for the Red Sox. And you guys are throwing out Walker, a right-handed pitcher who's uh, two and two. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, he's been an enigma guy so far. Um, I guess you guys are a little disappointed you aren't going to see Matt Strom in this series, uh, who I know was with the Red Sox last year. Yeah, um, he's been he, Strom's been really great for the great for the Phillies. You know, this year he had a little bit of a struggle against the Dodgers last time out, but otherwise has been sensational. But Walker Walker was their big free agent acquisition in the pitching staff um, in the offseason. Obviously, Trey Turner was the big free agent acquisition overall, but Turner, uh, Taiwan Walker was the, the second guy uh, behind him, and he's been disappointing so far. Yeah, he's two and two, and he had a couple of good starts in the, in, in the middle. Um, he had to leave early two starts ago, complained of forearm tightness um, after getting shelled for an inning. Um they checked him out. They said he's fine. There's no issues. Came out his last start, and the Dodgers just absolutely torched him. Um, he's he's a little too wild at this point. He's he's a little all over the place. Um, a lot of his a lot of his strength is that split finger fastball that he throws and gets people swinging. But if you're not throwing strikes and getting ahead of batters, they could spit on that splitter a lot of times because they they're in favorable counts, right? So if he's not in good counts and he can't throw that splitter, he becomes uh, a much more uh, easier hit pitcher to hit off of, and and teams have been taking advantage of that. So he needs to he needs to control the strike zone a little bit better uh, if if he's to be successful because right now he's just not doing it, and and Phillies fans are not going to be uh, too much too tolerant too long if he continues to pitch this way. Yeah, that is definitely one thing uh, about the city of Philadelphia. They'll give you a break the first couple of times around, yeah. but after that, you know, you're done. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and uh, and he's a right-handed pitcher, and we have some excellent left-handed bats. You know, yeah. with Verdugo, Devers, Massa. You know, Casas is is getting a little hot now. So you know, he, he if we can get to him really quick, you know, it, it could be trouble for your guys' bullpen. 
Uh, I I agree, and it's one of the big concerns that the Phillies have had. I mean, they were on a nice run until they've now lost four in a row. Um, I chalk up the one. The first loss was the the last game in Houston. They had won the first two, so you're like, okay, well, you won two out of three against the Astros. That's fine. You cannot get swept by the Dodgers, and you really can't get swept by the Dodgers giving up 36 runs in three games. And most of that was the result of starting pitchers. Just the starting pitchers weren't great. Uh, Nola was okay, um, but just okay. Strom had his first not good game, and Walker was awful. So uh, the starting pitchers need to go longer because the bullpen's good, but you can't tax the bullpen. You can't have them throwing too many innings. So they're going to need these starters to go out there and give them six or seven innings in these games. Otherwise, you're right. The the Red Sox have a lineup that can really take advantage of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, we found out the past two seasons what happens when Alex Cora works the bullpen way too much, you know, because you, then you're going to expect dead arms out there. So, uh, we got we got Tanner Houck going DC, so you know how's Tanner Houck been looking so far this season? He's been looking good. Like you said, he's been probably our best pitcher. Um, he's been lasting longer, you know, going into deep into games, which I've uh, I kind of alluded to earlier in the year that you know kind of dogged him on it. He only he reached six innings one time since 2021, I think it was. Um, other than his command, obviously, like I just talked about, the last two people, he uh, he strikes people out. Um, last game. I think his, 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 the game kind of got a little wave from him. You know, he was up what three or something like that. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, you look at the scoreboard, it's six, it's six, three. Um, and his problem is once he gets to the third time through the order, they, they kind of pick up on him and he kind of loses that velocity, um, starts leaving plate, you know, balls over the plate, or if he's not, you know, putting it right down the plate, he's walking, you know, three or four guys in the, you know, later on in the game. Um, other than that though, he's been consistent, you know, three, three earned runs, two runs to start. Other than you know the six or in run game last game, but that is a tough lineup. It kind of just ballooned on him really quick. But I'm excited to see how he does. He's probably the most the most exciting uh, start for this this series that I'm looking forward to, just from the consistency that he's brought to the team. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really enjoying the the Tanner Houck matchup. Uh, lo- looking at the matchups overall, it seems like this the first game could be the very competitive back-and-forth one on paper. Sale, Wheeler. Uh, game two could go either way, whichever pitcher decides to show up. Uh, game three, I think the Red Sox definitely have the pitching matchup uh, favor on that one. So let's uh, let's go to the, to the lineup a little bit. Let's compare uh, Red Sox and the Phillies lineup. Uh, Phillies... Phillies have went and got added a couple more pieces. They got a guy on their team that I really wish the Red Sox would have considered keeping for a couple seasons, uh, Kyle Schorber. So, and he's been doing really well for you guys. You guys have no complaints about him. But uh, Anthony, tell us a little bit about the about your revamped lineup, uh, especially in spring training, or was it early in the season? Your your first baseman went down. Yeah, it was right at the end of spring training. Reese Hoskins uh, had a uh, blew out his knee um, on a very routine ground ball um, at, at spring training. So uh, that kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. Um, the backup first baseman, Derek Hall, he uh, broke his thumb um, right at the beginning of the season in New York. Um, and when he was, I apologize, guys, I'm out of the theater. <laughs> we're doing this and a lot of people walking into the room as this is happening i think it's intermission so uh, i apologize no for for any background stuff but uh yeah Derek hall the backup first baseman um he uh was sliding into second base at yankee stadium hit a ball down you know they have that short porch there hit yep. a ball down into the right field corner and try to you know beat it out uh the second base got thrown out but when he slid into the bag he broke his thumb so he had to get surgery so then they shifted alec bohm from third base to first base and Edmundo Sosa, who's like their utility guy, he's been kind of thrust into an everyday role at third base. Problem is there is he's a natural shortstop. So you now have a guy who's a shortstop playing third base and he's not as good at third base as he is at short. Um, And you have Bohm playing first and Bohm's not a first baseman. He's a third baseman. So defense is really an issue uh, with this team right now. 
Um, the good news is, is Harper did come back in Los Angeles. Uh, his second game back was on Wednesday. He reached base all five times that he got uh, to the plate. He was three for three with two walks. Um, so that, that's a good addition to the lineup. Uh, I'm a little perplexed by how manager Rob Thompson has pieced the lineup together. Not, that, not necessarily that he's using the wrong players. He's got the right players in the lineup. It's just that they're not, in my mind, in the right spots. You talked about Schwarber. Schwarber obviously being a big power hitter. He's leading him off. And so far this year, Schwarber is batting, I think it's like 186 or something ridiculously low like that. And yes, he does walk, He's a but he's a true three, three true outcome guy. It's mm-hmm. either walk, strikeout, or home run. So why that's the leadoff hitter is beyond me. And he's batting Turner second. And Turner, obviously, Trey Turner is a speed guy, too. So you want him on base. You want him running. And if you've got Schwarber in front of him, God love Kyle Schwarber, but he's not the fleetest of foot, right? So, mm-hmm. so you're, you're slowing down your fastest runner. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a weird lineup that Rob Thompson's using right now with Schwarber leading off. Turner's at two. Uh, you got Harper three. And then the guy that you know, I think is probably worth talking about the most at this point is Nick Castellanos. Uh, yeah. Castellanos had a terrible year last year. A lot of people thought that he was a $100 million bust. He worked with hitting coach Kevin Long in the offseason like really hard and, and changed his approach at the plate. And he's been their best hitter, best player all around so far this season. He's batting cleanup. Uh, he's hitting over 300. He's got four homers. I think he's second in the league in doubles, uh, second on the team in RBI. He's walking a hell of a lot more than he's ever walked in his life. Um, really been a consistently good player. Um, and then there's other guys down the line who, you know, who've been successful and, and helped out this year. Brandon Marsh has had a good start. Um, Bryson Stott uh, had that hitting streak to start the season, although he's cooled off and so has Bohm. So there's guys in the lineup. It's it's a good lineup. It's a it's a lengthy lineup, but it's also not a lineup that is consistent when it comes to productive outs or moving runners or hitting with runners in scoring position. That's where they really struggle. And I I think if you if you can avoid the long ball against the Phillies, then mm-hmm. you you have a much better chance of staying in the game. If you're if you're talking about guys like Kluber throwing meatballs, right? Yep. You're in trouble coming into Citizens Bank Park because it's a it's a ballpark that that you can get a lot of home runs. So it's it's really about control. Again, for your pitchers, it's a, it's about controlling the strike zone uh, against the Phillies. If you can, you you're, they're not going to they're not going to manufacture a lot of runs. A lot of their runs come from from big hits. So um, that's their weakness, but their strength is a very good strength, and that's power. Yeah, uh, the Red Sox recently were on a one heck of a hot streak. Uh, just watching a little bit of the season or the uh, series finale uh, against Toronto, and they're playing they're they're playing baseball the way it's been taught: get a hit, move the guy over. You know, if, if a a monumental moment home run hit, you know happens, it happens. Uh, Verdugo, our leadoff guy, is completely opposite of yours. You know, uh. It does surprise me a little bit with Trey Turner being second. Like he is what you a quote unquote a blueprint of a leadoff guy. The speed, the stolen bases, the you know on base percentage. Uh, a lot of people questioned Verdugo coming in this season. Uh, my co-host was one of them, and I am so glad that he's finally on board of the Verdugo train, and. Uh, He's he's the king of clutch, you know. He he's had uh four four walk offs so far, five walk offs uh this season so far. I think it was I think it was four. I could be wrong though. Yeah, and it's he's just been monumental at key points. Uh man, it, it's the lineup is getting hot and going into Philly, it's something right now that you know the Phillies fans are not gonna want to see. Uh, DC, you, you want to run down our lineup a little bit? Yeah, I mean, right now it's kind of tough to pinpoint one person that's, you know, doing, you know, doing the most damage because the whole lineup's hitting aside from, you know, maybe two or three people. I mean, look at the box score tonight. We have we have four people, you know, in the lineup that have three hits. Yoshida, Devers, uh, Turner, Duran. Duran's been hitting lights out since he's came up. And 
me personally, I've been very, very, very hard on Duran. Honestly, probably harder on Duran than I was on Verdugo. And I'm pleasantly, uh, pleasantly eating crow on both of them. Um, I don't think Duran can consistently hit 400 the whole year, obviously, but he made some adjustments in the minors. I know Cora told him that, you know, keep his hands the same, you know, but, you know, keep working on that adjustment at the plate or the uh, approach at the plate. Sorry. Um, Yoshida, 14, you know, game hit streak. He extended today with three hits. He's been lights out, you know. Actually, I, I give my one friend, uh, I'm going to give him a little shout out. My one buddy uh, from home, this will be really quick. He uh, he makes fun of me because I took Yoshida in my in my draft very early for fantasy. And it was a day that he uh, he said, man, Yoshida is trash. And from that day on, he's had a hit ever since. So I got to give a shout out to Colin for that. Um, but Justin Turner's been hit. And I know people on Twitter are kind of down on him, but he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's not going to hit you three, you know, 300, 310 anymore, but he'll hit you 270, give you a little bit of power. He comes up with decent hits. Um, Valdez, he's hitless today, but that big home run the other game against Toronto, dead center, especially in that mm-hmm. wind. That was impressive to see from a second baseman, showed off his power. I'd like to see some more from Kike. Um, obviously, he is he's notorious for starting slow, but uh, it's getting to the point now where we really got to get some production out of him. Um, his defense at shortstop is suspect at, at the very least. Obviously, the other game, he had two big, big errors, but uh, they overcame that. But yeah, Verdugo, he's been he's been proving me wrong every game, and I'm very happy to even admit that I was wrong so far. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to get too caught up in one month of a sample size, but if he continues to do this, then I will, uh, I will stay on the train. But yeah, I, coming in this season, I wasn't sure how we were going to produce runs. There was a lot of question marks, a lot of left-handed bats, but um, it's been turning out, I mean... And we need it because our, our, our pitching isn't isn't consistent whatsoever. They, you know, they're going to let up three to six runs, you know, at a clip, you know, in five uh, five innings. And Casas, he um he had a hit today. I know he had two big hits last night to uh to go ahead, and I think he had another RBI single to uh, to have the game after um the blunders in the field. But uh been very pleasantly surprised with the uh with the lineup. They've been hitting very well, um, which has been perfect because the pitching hasn't been that great. But yeah, Yoshida's probably my uh, my highlight right now. Obviously, Verdugo with his walk-offs. But um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what they do. I think, uh, as uh, Anthony said, Sims Bank Park is a, definitely a hitter's park. So I'm, we could see some high-scoring games, and I'm pretty stoked for that. Yeah, <clears throat> let's sit there and, and compare uh, two positions and two players that neither one of you guys brought up, which is kind of ironic. Uh, let, let's talk about the catcher position. You know, uh, we have a dual catcher with Reese McGuire and uh, Connor Wong. Connor Wong has been a defensive uh, machine, cutting down stolen bases. You guys got JT Realmuto, and he is for years now been the best catcher in baseball. Uh, how has JT been handling the pitching staff over there uh, in the Phillies? You know, he's talked a little bit about um, the pitch clock changes for from his perspective, and he says it's 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 exhausting for a catcher. It really is. I mean, to catch a game, you know, with, at that rate of speed, you know, you just got to really get used to it. And um, and he, you know, the pitchers love pitching to him because he's he's one of those guys who's so well prepared for the opposition. Um, he he studies the, every hitter. He knows tendencies. He knows where they like to. Um, chase pitches. He knows, you know, is where their happy zone is. Like, so he knows a lot about guys and really spends a lot of time with the starting pitcher in the games that he catches, um, really going over every guy in the lineup and on the bench and talks about a, a strategy on how to attack them. And that's part of what makes him, you know, have that moniker best catcher in baseball, right? I mean, it, it's more than just the fact that he's a decent offensive catcher. Um, you know, he can, yes, he steals bases. He stole 20 bases last year, which are 21 bases, which is, you know, rare for a catcher throws out runners at the best clip in the game or top two or three in the game. Um, so you can't really steal on him, even in this era of, of, uh, you know, more steals. Um, and you know, and he does a real nice job with the pitching staff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Phillies are, are, I guess, you, you know, I don't mention him because you just kind of, you get used to having that. 
every day, right? I mean, it's yeah. not – he's nothing flashy. He's not going to go out there and, and be an MVP-type candidate, right? But he's going to hit you 280, 275, 280. He'll get 20 home runs by the end of the year. Um, he's a, just a reliable guy, and he catches – more games than most catchers do. He'll, he'll get close to 500 at-bats in a season, assuming he doesn't have any injuries. Um, and, and just, you know, he's just reliable. And because of that, you know, he doesn't he doesn't really come into the equation sometimes. But, yeah, he is a very key piece to the Phillies' uh, whole lineup and, and pitching staff as well. Yeah. He's one of my uh, favorite players. Sorry. Yeah, oh, no, no, fine. JT's is, is, you know, one of the last of the few catchers that, like you said, can catch most of the games. Like we split ours, you know, a lot of teams will split the catcher duties, you know, but then you got JT, you got Adam Rushman, uh, you got Sean Murphy, you know, those guys are the catchers for their teams. And, you know, like JT, like you said, but he has the, the respect of the pitching staff to be able to call out a game to be able to defensively throw out, uh, you know, people, especially with it being more uh, of a runner's game now. So, uh, and the interesting thing is on that is that, you know, he used to be a guy who would just fire. He's got a great arm, right? Just fired straight down to second base. Mm-hmm. What he's done this year is he switched that up. His throws, and you guys will see this this weekend if you, if there are, are you know Red Sox trying to steal on him. He's one hopping everything now, and he finds that that's actually going to get the ball there a little bit quicker with the fact that guys are getting a quicker head start. Mm-hmm. So he's he's forcing, I mean, Turner and Stott, Bryson Stott, the second baseman, have to really work on, you know, catching the ball on a hop and not catching it in the air and just tagging. Uh, but it's they, they find that the ball gets there just a hair faster doing that and so they're willing to gamble on the the shortstop and second baseman catching it on the hop as opposed to in the air so that's a that's something that the phillies are doing uh i i I watch a lot of games from around the league i've seen a couple of catchers do it but for the most part it, it seems like it's a thing that started here i wonder if it becomes something that's trendy and catches on well yeah because uh if you try to one hop it over to him it's more leading the second baseman the shortstop to where you you might be able to get the tag on a little bit quicker. So, you know, it, it's it, if it works, you know, keep doing it. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I think and I think that's JT's approach, you know, and 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 of course with with him being who he is, I think a lot of people are going to try and copy him uh to try and see if they can be uh, you know, somewhat as effective as he has been. Yeah. Uh you, let's switch it over to the bullpen. Uh, I know at the beginning of the season, every, a lot of the Red Sox fans were saying that w- the bullpen was the key part that the Red Sox focused on in the offseason. You know, we went out and got ourselves a closer. We got ourselves a great setup man. Uh, we just had to find a couple pieces in there to kind of rebuild our entire uh, bullpen. Besides, we have Ort and Brazier. Uh, in there, but we don't have Ord anymore, but we still have Brazier, so you guys still have a chance. Uh, <laughs> but uh, talk a little bit about the, the Phillies bullpen. You know, if you want to go front to back, back to front, the, you know, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So the Phillies bullpen has been kind of an interesting uh, roller coaster ride this year. Uh, it started off awful. First two weeks of the season, with the exception of Jose Alvarado, who out. Yeah, has been unbelievable. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. Hasn't walked anybody yet this year. I mean, just think about that and the number of strikeouts that he has. Um, with the exception of Alvarado, they were terrible the first two weeks. Of this. Not one guy was good in the bullpen. And uh, actually, Andrew Bellotti got off to a good start, but they were using him so much that he got hurt. And so he's been he's out now, right? Um, so that's the thing is the bullpen was terrible. Then, you know, they had a game where they got blown out by the Reds. And I think it was April 14th, 13th, 14th, something like that. From that point through the Dodgers, I mean, through the Astros series at the end of April, they were untouchable. And everybody was on to their, their bullpen ERA was 0.5. The whip was 
was remarkably low. They were striking out. Their strikeout to walk ratio was four to one. I mean, it was, I think it was 40 strikeouts to four walks. It was that dominant for two weeks. When they got to LA and things started to, everybody was bad in LA. Um, uh, even Alvarado was was credited with two earned runs, although it was a, if you go back and watch the play that those two runs scored, it was a line drive right at Edmundo Sosa and he flat out missed it and should have been an error. Official score gave it a hit, which was remarkable to everybody who was watching the game. But um, yeah, with the exception of Alvarado, they, they struggled again. And, and a guy like Craig Kimbrell, who I know you guys know pretty well, um, Kimbrell started off terrible. Then he fixed it. And for like seven or eight games, he was sensational. And his last two outings, he's been bad again. He gave up the grand slam, the walk-off grand slam to Max Muncy uh, at the end of the game at the Phillies blew a five nothing lead against the Dodgers on Wednesday. So he, you know, he's been hit or miss. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who was their closer last year, he's been okay at times, but at times he's not been okay. And so it's, he's been kind of up and down. Uh, Gregory Soto is the guy that's kind of been, you know, the, the, a little bit of uh, the re- revelation. And he started off first two out, two of his first three outings were, were he imploded. He was terrible. Since then, he's been very, very good. Um, so he's been like the second guy behind Alvarado, who's been very good in the pen. Connor Brogdon's been very good as a middle relief uh, guy. You may see him, especially in, in a start where a pitcher gets pulled in the fifth. Brogdon's a guy who can go two innings and he comes in and, and he's got a great changeup. Um, and so, you know, when you're used to seeing guys throwing, you know, in the high, not mid to upper 90s, and all of a sudden a bullpen guy comes in who can throw 95, but then that changeup falls off the table at like 84. That's a big difference, you know, and, and you're way out in front. So he's he's been a solid piece for them uh, in the bullpen. And then there's the other guys that are just kind of, you know, innings eaters at this point. Andrew Vazquez. Uh, who's been okay, but he's usually coming into a game when they're either up by a lot or down by a lot. Um, Junior Marte, who they brought over from the San Francisco Giants, uh, terrible first couple of outings, got sent down to the minors, came back, had two or three good ones in a row, and then he had one against the Dodgers that wasn't very good. Um, That's pretty much your bullpen. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Ultimately, Strom's going to be in the bullpen um, once uh, once they move – uh, Ranger Suarez back into the rotation. Suarez will go into the three spot. Falter will fall back to five. And Strom will be kind of weaponized as a whatever you need bullpen guy, whether it's multiple inning, whether it's get out a tough lefty or, you know, be available in a high leverage situation. They really like him a lot and they plan on using him a lot in that role. So uh, ultimately, you're not going to see him this weekend, but ultimately, Matt Strom is going to be a big part of the Phillies bullpen. Yeah, uh, I have a question, you know, you, uh, being there, watching the Phillies, watching other games, do you think that the pitch clock, with the amount of injuries that the pitchers have been suffering, mm-hmm. is is hurting the pitchers? It is. Having, having to not have enough, you know, if you think about it, their repetitiveness is the, that they're not used to. Do you think that's, that's hurting them to where they're not having enough recovery, bounce back time uh, overall? thousand percent and guys are talking about it i mean when we talk to them you know in the clubhouse or you know out when they're done shagging flies and they're coming back through the dugout before they go back to the locker room um they're all talking about it and they're saying it's it's not good it's you know there's a lot of injuries and the injuries are the result of you know not having time between pitches that's why you're seeing them they're complaining that they don't have a timeout right the batters have a timeout every at bat every batter gets Mm -hmm. one timeout well pitchers have zero they can't time. So the only way you could stop, you know, take a breather is either your catcher burns up a mound visit. You only get five of those a game. Um, or the pitchers throw the ball out and say, oh, I want a new ball. Right. And and mm-hmm. I'm see, you're seeing, starting to see some pitchers throw out a ball every batter, like just so that they can have that extra. They're only saving like two to three seconds there. But that's they're doing it and they're, they're doing it intentionally. And how many times, I don't know how many times you guys have seen it in Boston games. Oh boy, oh boy, have we seen it a lot in the Phillies games. Pitchcom has mm-hmm. issues. Oh, I can't hear. I got to change it. If I was Pitchcom, I would sue Major League Baseball for making my technology look that bad. Because it's it can't be that bad. I mean, it's almost like no. you're using paper cups and string to talk to each other. right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of what it's like, right? It's the way that they're complaining about it. So 
the, the pitchers are trying to find ways or trying to find little, little ways of slowing it down if they can, but it's, there's more pitcher injuries in the first month of the season than they've had in years. Mm-hmm. And what else could it possibly be? It's got to be the fact that they, the game is moving too fast for their, for their bodies. Yeah. Uh, you know, you brought, you brought up pitch com. Uh, I'm sitting there and, and watching games and, and I, and I see the pitchers, you know, at work, I wear headphones like to listen to music and I'm yeah. walking around and I never once ever had my Bluetooth disconnect to my phone. So, right. and you're thinking major league baseball, billion dollar, you know, company, billion dollar league. You're telling me that, that you're, you're having problems with your, with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Like, Agreed. You know, come Agreed. on now. It's 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 ridiculous. But then again, the, the pitchers got to find some some any by any means to try to get those couple extra seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately think, you know, just from talking to guys, I, I get the sense that this isn't going to last in its in the iteration that it is. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to go away. The pitch clock's going to be there, and it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's going to be amendments to the way the rules are. I think you might get a couple extra seconds added to the pitch clock. I think pitchers might get some semblance of a number of timeouts per, you know, per start, or Mm -hmm. if you're a relief pitcher, maybe you get, you know, one per inning or something along those lines. I think things like that are going to come into play. I think, you know, big deal down here today was, you know, Harper has to, when he gets on base, he's got to wear, the doctor's told me he's got to wear this elbow brace for Mm -hmm. sliding purposes. So he doesn't re rupture his elbow with the Tommy John surgery. And he couldn't get it, get it on in time uh, when he got his hit in the ninth inning against the Dodgers and had to throw it aside because they would not give him time to put this medical brace on that he has to wear, that it's prescribed by his doctors. And they asked, they went it up, it went up to Rob Manfred and Manfred said, no, we're not changing the rules for one person. And it's like, you really, this is not a guarantee. This is not saying it's going to be like this every time, but if it doesn't get on within that five to 10 second span mm-hmm. that you had between batters, like he's only going to need an extra couple of seconds. It's not going to hurt your overall time of game by this isn't him batting. This is him on the bases, right? If anything, it helps the pitcher more than anything else because it gives the pitcher more time, but now baseball's not complying. And so I, I look, I think that the players union is taking note of every one of these cases around the league and they are going to come back with full force against the league with with what they're doing it it could get ugly i'm telling you and i think that the changes are going to happen i wouldn't be surprised if there are changes for the playoffs that i, I think it's that that possible but, you know that much discontent in those clubhouses right now with it but i think that there could be changes for the playoffs but if not at the very latest the start of next season yeah, uh, and you guys got probably the most vocal person, though this season with Matt Strom uh, on your team. You yep. know, I I, I I loved him tweeting out, uh, "Hey, don't worry, we're ending games quicker." Uh, you know, in between innings is cut down. Uh, in be- what was it? In between innings was like seven seconds longer, so they can get uh, you know one more advertiser or something like that. Yeah, I'm like I'm like I love this dude calling him out like. You know, it, it, it's it's what somebody needs to do in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, we had a game that ended in, I think it was two hours and three minutes before they went away um, in the last home series. And so it was a writer for, um, I guess it was for the Associated Press who asked uh, a couple of guys in the locker room what they thought about playing a game mm-hmm. that quick. And none of them would say it was good because they're all going to be on board with this. They're all going to be on board with this isn't good. And they're saying, well, it is what it is. You know, yeah, two hours and three minutes. That's good. Great. That's awesome. You know, but they're not, they're not, nobody's like, oh man, that's so cool. I can get to go home to my family earlier. Nobody's saying that, right? They don't like playing that fast. It's too fast for baseball. And it needs, it needs, they need to find a happy medium. And I think it's going to have to happen maybe by the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, like I would love to see what the owners think about it, because if you like you said two hours and three minutes, you can't tell me that their revenue's not down. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, is. Uh, so they have to get on board with the players. You can't fight the players. 
you guys have you, they're gonna have, have to team up with the players to go up against Manfred. So exactly, exactly. Uh, DC, the Red Sox bullpen has been it's had its ups and downs. You know, we've had a couple key points, we had a couple key players, and then we have some people that you know we're still scratching our head. How are they in the major league baseball team at all? So you want you want to hit us up with the uh, the Red Sox bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I'll just start from the back. Uh, obviously, Jansen has been uh, has been awesome all year. The back tightness kind of scares me, um, but his velocity is still there. His cutter is hitting about 95, 96, which is nice to see. I think last year was about 93, 94. Um, Chris Martin just got back. I think, like I said, you know, before the season even started, he was probably my favorite signing. Uh, you know, not counting Yoshida, obviously. Um, then you have Wink, Winkowski. He's been lights out for us. Other than like two games, I think he allowed one run in each one. But he'll come in and give you two innings or he'll come save a game for you, put one in for you. Um, and Cutter Crawford, he's been a pleasant surprise. I know he's made some big starts for us last year. Um, he had, I think he had a start or two earlier this year and then went back to the bullpen. He's been, he's been everything we asked for. The only two people that really scared me that you brought up was Brazier. He... Uh, he makes me nervous. I'm pretty sure he let up a run tonight. Um, I could be wrong about that. I might have read that wrong, but uh, he's he's guaranteed for you know at least a home run every other appearance. Caleb Bort, I was glad to see go back down. Um, I'm interested to see if uh, Tanner Houck ends up in the uh, bullpen, which is crazy for me to say that after we just praised him as you know their best pitcher so far in the rotation. But Alex Cora did not um, commit to him past this start Sunday. So with mm-hmm. James Paxton doing well and uh, and Worcester, um, I think. Uh, he could be making a move back to the bullpen. Um, and Whitlock got that good news that he's probably only going to miss one or two starts. So there's definitely going to be a numbers game there. I think Tanner Houck does eventually do – he does move to the bullpen, which um, – I mean, we talked on it on the last podcast with uh, Joey Capone. I'm just – if he's in the rotation at this point, I'd rather keep him there. I don't like to bounce him back between, you know, having him do a couple starts, a handful mm-hmm. for a month, and then you're putting him in the bullpen – you know, for a month or two, and then you're going to bring him back up if somebody gets hurt. To me, that's just feel like that's just going to add extra chance to it, you know, to an injury, and it messes up the you know the routine stuff like that. And like you know, Anthony just you know touched on with the uh, the pitch clock and all these injuries. That just adds another element to that, and it scares me because you know I don't really like to mess with the pitcher's development. But uh, as far as the bullpen in a whole, I've been very happy with it. I think uh, we shorted up you know compared to last year. Um, you're going to have those one or two pieces that kind of scare you, you know, bring your heart heart rate up when they're in. But um, I'm glad Ort's down there getting more work in AAA. But uh, Razor still kind of scares the hell out of me. But overall, I've been very, very happy. Um, the back end is, is solid. You know, Jansen, Wink, um, and if you throw Winkowski in there whenever. And Cutter, I'd, I'd even be uh, comfortable with him coming in in high leverage situations in like the eighth inning, even the ninth inning if we had to. Especially, you never know with um with Jansen with his irregular heartbeat, his you know his back tightness he seems to have every year. But we're pretty uh we're pretty decent there. I'm I'm pretty happy overall with that. Um, Brazier just needs to clean it up a little bit for me. But overall, very very happy. Uh, I think uh I think we're gonna need our bullpen a lot. You know, especially Saturday's game with Kluber pitching. So hopefully, uh, Sale can uh you know eat some innings tomorrow, save them for Saturday because I think we're gonna need them. Yeah, uh, that. Brazier is one of the only guys I know that I can watch, and we can be up five nothing, and next thing you know, he gets pulled, and Jansen comes in for a save it situation. You know, <laughs> he has to uh, get warmed up pretty quickly, man. There's been yeah. a couple of games where that's happened. So, uh, Anthony, we, we we do something a little uh, a little different here. We like to sit there and the you're, you're the, you represent the Phillies, we represent the Red Sox. So. Okay. Bottom of the ninth, you're pitching, or your team's pitching. Who's the one guy that you do not want to see in that uh, batter's box? From the Red Sox? From the Red Sox. My opinion would be Devers. I just think that I think that he's got the most overall talent in that lineup. Um, I know Verdugo's been <clears throat> your guy, you know, clutch guy in the ninth inning, but if you're asking me who I think the best hitter in the Red Sox lineup is, it's got it, to me. It's Devers. I just think that I think he's a I think he's a star. I you know 
long term too. Like, I mean, I know he's already been one, but I mean, I think that like mm-hmm. this is a guy that's going to be good for another six, seven, eight years down the line. So that would yeah. be my guy. Okay, DC, same thing, but reverse the roles. Uh, what Phillies so guy? Are we talking like you know, perfect world? They're healthy. Are we talking lineup right now? L- lineup right now. Lineup right now. Um, I mean, that's tough. I would probably say Trey Turner. He's always, you know, scared the hell out of me. Um, I know Cassianos is having an amazing year. He'd be up there. But if I had to pick, that lineup is, is very potent when they're on. Um, I'd say Trey Turner. He, he just, he's just, he scares me, man. He, uh, he's an amazing hitter. He has all the tools. He'll, he'll hit a home run for you or, you know, he'll, you know, beat an infield single. But once he gets on, you know, he could manufacture a run just like that. It always takes his two pitches, steal second, steal third. Um, or like I said, he'll, he'll jack it out of the park for you. He scares me. Um, he's a, a very, very dangerous hitter. And as we saw in the WBC, he's a, he comes up in the clutch. So, you know, if he's in the ninth inning, you know, you add a, you little, you add a little extra to him. Um, I would have to go trade Turner. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with, with your other pick. I'm taking Castellanos. Because he's just he's just on fire uh, so far. He's very clutch for the Phillies. Uh, Harper, uh, I was I was going through Twitter the other day, and it was and it's surprising. Like, and I forgot all about that incident with with when Harper played for the Nationals with uh, Papelbon, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, and I'm sitting there and thinking, and I was watching a Phillies game shortly after that and i was like this dude still doesn't learn like because there's times where he still doesn't run out you know balls and to be a face of the phillies the contract he has that man has to sit there and put more effort into it you know what i mean he's beloved he's, he's beloved here Mostly because of last last season's playoffs. Yeah, I mean he he carried them through the first three rounds. He was NLCS MVP with the big home run to beat the Padres in the bottom of the eighth. Right, not sending the game series back to San Diego. Um, he was a man possessed for those first three rounds. He cooled off a little bit against Houston, but the whole team did. Um, they were just I think that they just ran out of gas after Game Three. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he won an MVP here and, and he was the, he was the, the star of the playoffs. Bryce can do no wrong in this city. And I'll tell you, I promise you this, when you guys are watching the game tomorrow night, the Phillies have, and I can't believe that they have to do this. I can't believe major league baseball is making teams do this. The Phillies have petitioned major league baseball for a delay for his first at bat because they anticipate the, the standing ovation, the standing ovation, and he's going to get one mm-hmm. and the fans love him. And it's hard to say it's not deserved. Yeah. I read that. And I was like, wait, what? Like I know. you, you have to do paperwork to get a permission for it. It's, it is not like you can sit there and stop it from happening. Like it's, it's just so ridiculous how major league baseball is more about time management than they are about the fan experience. They are. They don't care. They just it's it's sickening. As some and I'm a little bit older than you guys, right? So I've been I've been around for a little bit longer, but it it, it drives me it drives me insane that this is what the sport has become. Uh, I I I hope it, I hope that they find some kind of common ground going forward and make it a little bit more palatable. But to see what the other you know, things that they are experimenting with in the Atlantic league um, to make it even more crazy down the road. I don't, I don't know. I I just don't know what they think they're going to do because I'm of the mindset that if you think baseball is boring, you're not going to suddenly start watching baseball. So why are you trying to appeal to an audience that does not exist for you? People that like baseball don't like this, these changes. They don't need them. So I don't know what the – and ultimately, I think we're going to see in the end of the year, 
The statistics are going to be about the same other than base running. I think that's the only one we're going to see the uh, mm-hmm. spike in, but the statistics are going to be about the same. Your ratings, your TV ratings are going to be about the same. Um, and your revenues are going to be, your attendance isn't going to be any better and your revenues in, in the buildings are going to be down because you shorter games. So I just think that that it, ultimately it's not going to accomplish what they think it's going to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, next up series MVP. Uh, Anthony, who would you pick for the Philly series MVP for this series coming up? Yep. Um, it's a good question. I, I'm going to, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Bryce because I think that he's a guy who thrives on the moment. And this is the first opportunity to play in front of the home fans since the injury. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he shattered the record for the fastest recovery from Tommy John surgery ever. And I think that that is going to get the juices flowing for him this weekend. I think he will be their best player. Okay, and and you can't sit there and, and say otherwise because of you know how fast he came back. Uh, first home game, like first home series, it's it's a great pick. DC, what about you? Who's who is the Red Sox series MVP? I'm gonna go with uh, somebody I didn't really touch on, which is very surprising because he is a force in our lineup. When I talked about our lineup, uh, I'm gonna go Rafael Devers. I think he has a a big, uh, big series. He's, uh, I know he has 10 home runs, but he hasn't been hitting that, you know, that well. He would think before going into this game, he was two for his last 12. Um, went three for five tonight. I think he's gonna, you know, put it together and uh, have a, a big series for us. Ah, uh, okay. I am going to go so far. Every series, except for Verdugo, Verdugo is just a freak of nature so far, has had a different, uh, guy step up. I'm gonna say Tristan Cassis. I think he's been putting the ball together. He's been, you know, he's very patient. You know, Anthony, you, you've covered baseball for a while now. For To have somebody as young as him to have, I think he has two or three 13 pitch at bats, mm-hmm. you know, that shows patience. And it's usually you're, you're a couple years in the league before you get that, you know, veteran in. Yeah, it's it's more it's more than just patience. I think with him, the bats I've I've seen out of him, and I've I've watched a few. Um, it, it's more of the fact that he's he sees the the, the ball well, he sees mm-hmm. the zone well, and he knows when he's in a two strike count how to attack the ball in a way to, to say, all right, look, that's close enough to be a strike, so I got to swing at it, even if it's not the pitch I want, but I know I can foul it off and and live to fight another pitch. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's usually learned later in careers. And I think that you really see that with him in his at bats. The guy that we have that does that, that's young, that surprises everybody is Bryson Stott. I mean, Stott doesn't walk a lot, but if you look, he's he's among the league leaders in pitches faced um, when he bats. So it's the same thing. It's it's a it's an advanced approach for a young player uh, to have. And it's so it's you know, Boston should be excited with that with Cassis and you know, just as much as the Phillies are with Stott. Yeah. Uh, last thing, series. What's the series outcome? Anthony, we'll start with you. I, I'm going to go with the Phillies two out of three. I, I think that the I think Wheeler matches up better against Sale. And even though I'm not a huge Bailey Falter guy, I, I, I just think this lineup hits Corey Kluber. Um, and so I think the Phillies take the first two, but I think the Red Sox take the, the, the finale. Uh, so I'll take the Phillies two out of three in the series. Okay, DC. I'm going to go a little different, obviously. I'm going to go two out of three for the Red Sox. Uh, I think tomorrow they squeeze it out. I think Sale has a good game. I think we give the game to them Saturday. I think Kluber uh, probably lays a goose egg, you know, and, you know, balloons his ERA a little bit more. Um, I think we have a, a pretty close game Sunday. So I'm thinking two out of three for the Red Sox. The, the one, you know. Yeah, the one other thing I'll, I'll throw in just to kind of for, for my argument <laughs> on, the, mm-hmm. on the Phillies is uh, Phillies had a day off today. Uh, Boston's playing. So Phillies no, bullpen is completely, Phillies bullpen completely rested. Boston's got to come in with who knows. I didn't even look at the box score, so I don't know who pitched today, uh, but you might have a guy or two that might not be available first day of the series. So that might, that might swing things a little bit. No, that's a very, very good point. Uh, I'm going to go and be optimistic 
And I say the baseball gods are in our favor once more. I'm going to say we sweep you. Wow. Ooh. I, oh. I, I, Phillies, I, lose I, se- Phillies lose seven in a row. This city might burn down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I just look. I think Sale is going to be really well. I think with Wheeler, I think our bats can get him out of the game. They, they just got uh, Gosman. Gosman out of the game, you know, in the third. Yeah. Like he 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 had fifty pitches in the in the second inning, you know. I think the Red Sox can get Wheeler out of the game early and start pecking at your bullpen. And if we can do that in game one, your bullpen will not be ready for game two. And game three, they're gonna be shot. The only thing that scares so, me about is this series is just how fired up that city's gonna be. You got Bryce Harper coming back. That 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 crowd's going to be electric tomorrow. Um, and you know, I was actually supposed to go to the Sunday game with uh, with my wife, but uh, that that turned out not to happen. But uh, I'm kind of kind of wishing I would have you know got tickets for this game tomorrow. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a tough place to play when the crowd's into it. If the crowd's yeah. if the crowd's docile and quiet, not so much. But if the crowd's into it, I mean, you guys saw it in the playoffs. It was a difference mm-hmm. maker. Oh yeah, uh, I was the, I went to uh, a Phillies Red Sox game. Uh, sale pitch. I can't remember who he pitched against, but it was one of those like baseball boring games where we lost one nothing. The Red Sox first hit was Chris Sale, and it was a double. I'm like, wait, what? You know, it, it was it was just ridiculous. But you know, you get those sometimes where the pitchers are are you know locked in. And you know it's it's just defense and pitching. So, but I I, I got I'm going to sit there and say we stay on the hot streak. Uh, their bats are hot. Uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if we lose the series. But I'm going to say three games to nothing. So old cotton. Hey, <laughs> so, so somebody's got to do it. It's so, all good. But uh, Anthony, DC and I would love to thank you for sitting there and coming on. Uh, talking Phillies with us, uh, help give our listeners a little bit more insight on the Phillies organization, the Phillies Red Sox series. Uh, right now, we're going to give you the floor as yours. You know, promote anything you wanted to that has to do with you. Yeah, sure, no problem. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'd love to come on again, probably next year. I know we guys don't play unless we unless we meet in the World Series. Uh, I guess I guess we could do it then, but uh, I guess right. we'll have to wait till next year. But um, but uh, it's been enjoyable. Uh, you can uh, you can read my stuff on crossingbroad.com. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Aunt Sam Philly. Uh, and uh, also there's a Phillies podcast that uh, we put out uh, two episodes a week. And then there's also a daily update after games, as long as there's not an afternoon game the next day. Uh, it's called Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. So be sure to check that out. We do talk other uh, stuff going on around the league as well, but uh, predominantly Phillies oriented. Hey, Anthony, thanks for coming on, D- DC. Uh, any final words? Yeah, I just want to just echo what uh, the Ritz said. Appreciate you coming on, man. Very knowledgeable. Uh, I'm lucky to have you on. Uh, I will say, if the Red Sox and the Phillies play in the World Series, we gotta, we just got to make the pack now. We're going to do a live podcast down in Philly. Done deal. Done deal. Uh, well, we can even do it in – well, if you guys wanted to – I know you guys are closer to Philly probably, so we can do it here, but – if you if you guys happen to be we up can in do Boston both. too, we can do it there too. Yeah, we'll do both. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Really, really do. And uh, make sure y'all check him out. Um, obviously, he knows his stuff. So uh, go over and uh, give him a follow. Check out his writings and all that. And uh, yeah, man, just really appreciate you coming on, saving us at that time. You got it, man. Anytime. Uh, DC, I don't know about you, but if we're if we're in the World Series again and we gotta go down to Philly, uh, uh, I'll I'll do remote from a hotel room because. <laughs> Dude, that 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 city is ridiculous. Oh, it's wild when it's playoff and World Series time. It's a lot so, of my friends live down there. It's good. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Time, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, I'm I'm a Birds fan actually. Um, so I, you know, I I feel you. I feel you on the on the fans. Um, but yeah, man, it'll be a good time. Cool, cool. So, so yeah, thanks, boys. Yep, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, we like to do something a little different on the Pesky Podcast. Give insight for the other teams. And man, like DC said, very knowledgeable. You knew your stuff. We loved having you on. Uh, you, 
I hope that you will be our go-to guy uh, for every Red Sox Phillies series. Absolutely. We'll do it, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yep. Later. DC, man, love the episode. Uh, We had a little snafu, but we are getting that with the Devin Marrero uh, home run ball. We'll be coming back. And it's going to be really great episode. Uh, Devin got back to me. Uh, we're setting things up for this weekend. Uh, I'll let you know. I'll let the fans know. But, man, DC, I hope you had fun. Like always. I did, man. That was good. He was a really good dude. Knew his stuff. So, always cool to talk baseball with uh, with other people. Yeah, because uh, I, I enjoy it because then when I'm watching the game, it's like, oh, he brought up, he brought up that guy. Okay, so, so I know a little bit more about him. So, but he is DC. I am the Rit. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Pesky Podcast. Make sure you head on over to YouTube. We're doing a contest right now. I'm giving away like 10 cards for, you know, a sub on our YouTube page. So hit on, hit on our Twitter, go to Linktree, follow us, and get yourself in the drawing for that 10-card lot. So, but guys, talk to you next time on the Pesky Podcast. Deuces.